episode 801. The 2017 NFL Draft is in the books, and the Green Bay Packers have added 10 players to their latest rookie class. Giving us the skinny on these players is Paul Guillemette of the Great Blue North Draft Report. It's all coming up on Railbird Central next. Good morning, Green Bay Packers fans, and welcome to Railbird Central at Cheesehead TV, the longest tenured Packers podcast on the internet. I'm your host, Brian Caravu, and today we're talking about the NFL Draft in Review. To do that, we're joined by a guest on the phone. Baltar, find me another expert, one that likes me this time, okay? We're joined by pigskin Paul Guillemet of the Great Blue North Draft Report. That's gbnreport.com. Mr. Paul, how you doing this morning? I'm doing okay, Brian. A little bit of postpartum draft blues, but doing okay. <laughs> well, uh, yeah, it is. It's it, the the excitement's over, but now the analysis begins, and that's why we have you on the show. Paul uh, is heavy into the All Star Game circuit. He was there at the Senior Bowl, the Shrine Game, and uh, we're going to talk about all these Packers draft picks here. And and Paul, starting with their the Packers' first pick, I think everyone knows Kevin King and the height and the speed by now. Uh, the Packers were looking for the next Richard Sherman. Do you think they got one? Well, I, you know, I, I hesitate to call him the next Richard Sherman, but I think what they got was a guy who knows how to use that length. I think the biggest difference between he and Richard Sherman, at least at this stage of his career, is King is not quite as sophisticated yet at being a ball hawk. If you watch the film, if you watch even some of the highlight films that they show of King leading up to the draft, um, they show an awful lot of situations where King is there and uses his great length to deflect or bat balls away from the receiver. But he's a little bit late to anticipate, find the ball in the air and come up with the interceptions at the pace that Richard Sherman does. But I think probably what we have to look at is, is he an upgrade from what they have on the current roster? And I think the answer there is yes. I think he still has a bit of an upside. And I think the most encouraging part, and this is not to take a real shot at anybody in particular, but in this case, Ted has drafted to fill a cornerback need, and he's done it by drafting a cornerback as opposed to two years ago when he, he drafted a, ba- a baseball and a basketball player last year. Exactly, <laughs> exactly. And both of them were probably better safeties than they were yeah. cornerbacks. So uh, in that sense, I really like it. I don't think there was much of a surprise here. I think uh, – as usual, Mr. McGinn from the Journal Sentinel got the nailed them for the second year in a row on the exact guy, um, and I, I absolutely do believe that he will be fighting for a starting job as soon as training camp opens. Yeah, it makes sense to me, and we're going to stick in the secondary here, Paul. But I'll be honest, I, I didn't pay much attention to safeties prior to the draft because 
it, it just seemed the Packers were pretty set there. But but the more I learn about Josh Jones, the more I like the pick. But it, my question to you is, is he kind of the next in this growing era of safety linebacker hybrids now? Yeah, I think that's exactly what this pick is all about, Brian. He is an excellent athlete. He's an incredibly productive athlete, including not just interceptions, but including from a tackling standpoint. And that indeed, the more I thought about it and read a few more things on draft weekend, I got a lot more comfortable with the pick Again, not from a talent standpoint. I do not question his talent at all. Um, but I think from a, okay, if you already have a couple of guys like Clinton Dix and Morgan Burnett back there and throw on top of that, uh, I think an awful lot of people felt that Kentrell Bryce played more like a third-round draft pick than an undrafted rookie free agent last season. And the word seems to be that the Packers are high on him. So, yes, indeed, I think Johnson, with his combination of size and speed, and I guess we could call him a poor man's Obi Melifonwu from from UConn, um, but I think when you look at what he brings to the table as a total package, I have to think that, yes, indeed, this is a new kind of toy for Dom Capers, who really likes to experiment and come up with different usage for his players. Yeah, I think in this case, they're not necessarily going to convert him to linebacker, per se, but they're going to juggle those positions around a little bit. And I'm, I'm comfortable with the pick and good value, interesting possibilities here. Yeah, it's just a new day and age where there's got to be six, even seven defensive backs on the field at the same time nowadays, and uh, they're they're going to find a spot for him out on the field. Oh yes, yeah. I oh yes, absolutely, and I, and I don't think it's a matter of bouncing him around to find the perfect spot. I think it's a matter of adapting the defense to some extent mm-hmm. to take advantage of a guy with his physical skills and his athleticism and his size. So very fascinating pick should be very fascinating to watch how they use him. And I would say, especially by the time we get to the second half of the 2017 season, when he's acclimated to the pro game and they've acclimated to him. Yeah. Uh, All right, Paul, Montravius Adams. um, I'm not sure if you're aware, there's this website, Mock Draftable. When you look at the combine measurables for the past 20 years, the closest comparisons to to Montravius Adams, and I'm not making this up, are Justin Harrell and Kyrie Thornton. Um, so is this the time Ted Thompson finally gets it right? Well, it could be, uh, I think it will depend greatly. Uh, people should be prepared for this. I think, um, this, when you see this guy walk out of the locker room or even get off the bus, you go, Whoa, he, he was, he was one of the guys down at the senior bowl this year. Uh, in fact, Starting with that pick, 
the dra- the Packers uh, took four consecutive players who were at the Senior Bowl this year. Mm-hmm. And Adams has always been one of those athletic-looking, six foot four, three hundred and five pounds. But Brian, I'm telling you, you stand on the field and get close to him and look at him, you swear he must weigh about three twenty, three twenty-five. And I'm not saying they're lying about the weight. I'm just saying he's a big mass body. And I think I really believe the key for the Packers is going to be he has the size, the athleticism, and the body that Thornton and Harold didn't have. Those guys were, you know, kind of pumped up guys. And Adams is the real size guy. And when he decides it's time to play, he can be a well above average player. Problem here is he was a major disappointment his first year at Auburn. And then Will Muschamps got fired from Florida and for one year was the defensive coordinator at Auburn. And one of his pet projects was getting Adams to wake up and play up to his potential. And he started to get the light or see the light. And he started to get what he needed to do. He had a really strong senior season. So the good news is you're coming with a guy who has is on the uptick and is improving his game, I think the key with the Packers is going to be he's the kind of player that he's. you're going to have to find somebody on the coaching staff who not only can teach him, but who he can relate to. And if you get that, you'll get a motivated player that's got some physical skills we haven't seen. If you don't, he's going to disappear and be gone in a couple of years. Yeah, hopefully a guy like Mike Adam, uh, Mike Daniels can take him under his wing. There you go. Uh, but it'll definitely be the job of the coaches to coach him up, though. Um, yes. Okay, uh, Paul, Packers fans uh, were bummed when they didn't get T.J. Watt in the first round, but they did get Vince Beagle in the fourth round. I'm worried that Vince Beagle might not be a three-down player in the NFL ease my concerns paul what what's there to like about him well i think i you know i keep reading that and the only concern that i have with spiegel quickly is that foot of his where he's had multiple uh played with a couple of pins in his foot for part of last year uh and that's the same foot that he had some issues with as a as a junior beyond that i don't have a problem with that i don't understand brian how people can look at a guy who's six foot three, 246 pounds and say, he's not big enough. And that's one of the things you keep hearing is he's not big enough. And I, I find that insane. Um, and I would encourage you if any of your listeners can find access to a tape of the senior bowl. And I would say watch NFL network because usually after the draft, they have a replay or two of the Senior Bowl and of the Shrine game. Mm-hmm. Watch the first two possessions where the North defense is out on the field and watch for number 47, and you're going to see that Vince Beagle forces a fumble, almost has an interception, <laughs> almost gets a sack, and makes a couple of tackles. I mean, 
he really was, upon further review, as they say, dynamite. And I will, I will also say this. In today's NFL, I think it is a big deal that you have athletic, but if you can, you also have intelligent players. And I'm telling you right now, I spent a good 15 minutes one-on-one with Vince Beagle after practice one day. And this is as nice a young man, as bright a young man as I have ever talked to while he's wearing shoulder pads. And that, that IQ, I think, could be very important in a Tom Capers defense. It may allow, he may help Tom Capers find more and more ways to use him. I don't think he's an every down linebacker. But by the same token, I'm not sure which downs he's more likely to be out there on. <laughs> he, you know, he, he reminds me to some extent of Clay Matthews, but he's not quite as big as Clay, and he's not the pass rusher. But I think he can do some other things, including some some uh, pass coverage that Clay Matthews can't. I, I I about passed out when he made this pick. Picked myself up up the floor and did a, and did a couple of fist pumps in the air. <laughs> yeah, he's certainly an easy guy to root for. That's for sure. Um, okay, Paul. Uh, next pick. Uh, I'm not sure where to start with with all these running backs the Packers took, other than to say, "Wow, that's that's a lot of running backs for one draft." And in fact, just before the show started, they apparently like them so much. Uh, they apart, apparently parted ways with Don Jackson, a rookie last year, um, as he alluded to on Twitter. But, I mean, what what do you think of these running backs in general, all three of them? Well, I, I think as a group, I think what Packer fans need to be prepared for, because that, again, was my initial response. And then I went back, and, I, and Brian, I will also be honest with you and say, uh, with his injuries, uh, and none of them have been super serious, but Devontae Mays has missed a lot of time mm-hmm. with nicks and dings, and that's concerning. When he's healthy, he's a big boy who can really run over people. Aaron Jones, a little bit more of a sh- you know shuttle bug, and can put some moves on, has decent speed but not great speed. Uh, and Williams is obviously the potential bell cow here. Um really had a great senior season at BYU and he was a popular player down at the senior bowl when it came to being interviewed, et cetera, et cetera. Here's my thinking. I would, my first gut response and my second response would be, yeah, maybe we went a little bit overboard with three running backs, but Ted did make a trade and he got himself bumped up so that they had a few more picks to utilize. So in his favor, you went from 8 to 10, maybe you could do this. The other thing, and you just touched on part one of it, Brian, and that is that folks don't bet that at least two of these three running backs, not one, is going to make the roster, and they're going to stash the other guy, whoever they think they can get away with, on the practice squad. Because I think it is entirely possible that Jackson's gone, And I think once we get into training camp, if these guys are healthy and looking good, Michael may be gone again. Uh, Brian, the knock on on Michael, I'm sure you guys have heard it, but just in case it hasn't made it to Green Bay yet, there are serious questions about that young man's ability to absorb a playbook. 
and understand where he's supposed to be, what he's supposed to be doing. I don't think the Packers feel like they're married to this guy. Maybe they're dating steadily at this stage. <laughs> but I could see, like I said, I could see him being a casualty. They keep two rookies plus Montgomery plus rip at fullback. And then they stick one of these rookies on the practice squad, hoping he will develop and he can fight for a job next year. So that's what I think is going on here. I think they like him. I think they, they feel they fit their style and they could see multiple of the running backs make the roster. Yeah. Uh, I'm right on board with that as well. Um, uh, in other positions where the Packers took more than one, they got two wide receivers, uh, D'Angelo Yancey of Purdue and Malachi Dupree of LSU. Your thoughts on these guys? If I ever saw polar opposites being drafted by the same team, this is it, in my opinion, Brian. Yancey is a good athlete and an overachiever out on the field. He played. He is another example of a good player on a bad team. Purdue was bad. They were bad his whole career. You know, their their quarterbacks were mediocre at best. I think the the biggest value for Yancey, what holds him back slightly is he doesn't have the speed. He's not slow, but he doesn't have the speed. So he fits in with a lot of the receivers they already have. Um, but he had, I believe it was, I think he scored six touchdowns on receptions and runs of 30 yards or more last year. Hmm. And he's not a, he's not a speed burner. Um, Malachi Dupree, believe it or not, even though his name was much better known, I'm not surprised that they took Yancey four picks before they took Dupree. Dupree is going to be one of these, you better show something really fast, Malachi, or you're not going to you're not going to make it past a couple of the preseason games. Biggest knock on him is he doesn't play 100% all the time. He's also a poor blocker, whereas Yancey is a willing and effective blocker. Uh, I think Dupree is literally a roll of the dice that somewhere in here, Brian, the light goes on and this kid plays harder, plays more intensely, is willing to block and develops the talent he has. Now in his defense, if the Pittsburgh, if the Purdue quarterbacks were bad, so were LSU's and so was their offensive scheming at LSU. Big reason why Les Miles and his staff are gone is their offense was just so pitiful. So Malachi Dupree gets a reprieve, and he gets a chance. But like I said, don't be surprised again, Brian, if the guy named Yancey, who got Les Pub, is the guy with the better chance to make the team than Dupree. Well, we pretty much went through the whole draft class here, Paul. Uh, any thoughts on Kofi Amichia? I, I know he wasn't I, the kind of guy that went to these the uh, All Star games. No, he didn't. No, he didn't. But he was a he was a two year starter his last two years at USF. And remember, USF uh, was a ten win team last year, mm -hmm. uh, and got their got their head coach the head coaching job at Oregon. Um, 
I think it's interesting. Everything I've heard and seen, Brian says that Ted's going to give is going to primarily slot him in to see if he can win the backup center position. Who knows, right? Ted wins some, Ted loses some, but Ted always drafts an offensive lineman. Yeah, for sure. Uh, awesome. Uh, Paul, thanks for your analysis so much. A lot of great tidbits there on uh, this Packers draft class. Uh, happy to get your thoughts, and uh, we'll do it again. <laughs> yeah, thanks for having me. And, uh, Teddy, go sign some of those undrafted free <laughs> yeah. by the way, By the way, I like that kid, Gray, the Canadian player. Uh-huh. He was at he was at the Shrine game. He wasn't a standout, but he's got good size. He's reasonably athletic, and he looked like he belonged the whole camp. Watch for him and watch for the punter Vogel. I think he's going to give Shum a real, a real fight for his job. Yeah, that was good to get like one of the top punters as an undrafted free agent. Yeah, definitely. Yep. Uh, cool. Thanks, Paul. Take care. Th- thanks for having me, Brian. Take care. Yep. Pigskin Paul Guillemet of the Great Blue North Draft Report joining us here at Railbird Central on a Monday morning. Glad to have him joining us. Glad to have you, the listener, join us as we continue on with the show. What the hell's going on out here? I'll try to tell you, Vince, in our Packers news segment, and, and not so much breaking news. We, we, we know the news from over the weekend. The Packers added 10 new draft picks. It's, it's time for me to give you my two cents on these guys. And, yeah, I mean, if you if you followed the NFL draft or myself on social media at all, you, you know my thoughts are you just listened to the show for the past three months uh, since the Packers season ended. We've basically been going draft heavy every episode since that time. And I absolutely love the pick of Kevin King to start off with. The first pick of the second round, the first Packers pick in the draft. I, I wanted T.J. Watt. Uh, the Packers had the opportunity to get him, but I was not disappointed at all in the pick of Kevin King. Uh, I, I just I I like what he does. Um, he, he everybody knows the the he's tall and he's fast now. Um, but you know, on top of that, if you go to the NFL Combine, everybody gets invested in the forty yard dash. He did so well in all the other drills that get less attention. The the three-cone drill, the short shuttle drill. And it's amazing because when you have those long limbs, when you're 6'3", I I mean, look at the guys who have the fastest 40 times at the combine. They're usually, you know, the the six-foot guys, not the 6'3 guys. When you got those longer limbs, it, it just takes that much more to get those limbs moving that much faster. But here Kevin King is, He's got he he tested fast in, in in both straight line and the change of direction drills. That's what I like about a guy. That's why I think he has such a high ceiling and can be possibly a Richard Sherman type of player. And again, you know, it's it's early to put him make that comparison yet because Richard Sherman is so accomplished. But Kevin King, I think, has that kind of ceiling. And, and yeah, so I, I'm really excited, and I I was able to watch him a fair amount uh, uh, on Washington this past year because Washington had such a breakout season. 
you know, they started playing on national television a lot more this past year. There were a lot of opportunities to watch them, and he just just stood out. You know, just you just sit there and you you look at the screen, all twenty two players, and and here's the six three corner. He just stands out, and he really did uh, in many ways. You know, from making plays out on the field and and really stood out to me this past year. Like it a lot. The negatives with with Kevin King, and I I, I alluded to these uh, one episode of Railbird Central. He does have a concussion history. He missed the 2015 bowl game with a concussion, um, and then uh, and according to Dane Brugler, and I'll, I'll try to use the the direct quote here if I can. He suffered a quote serious head injury in high school. End quote. I don't know. He didn't use the word concussion there. I don't know what a serious head injury is. I I would like to know, and I haven't been able to find out any more on this. Who knows? Maybe he received, you know, 10 stitches to the scalp of his head. I suppose that would qualify as serious and it wouldn't necessarily be a concussion, but he did suffer one in college. A little bit concerning, especially after the issues they went through with Sam Shields. I'm just throwing it out there. It's not like people can't overcome concussions. Aaron Rodgers has had one, and uh, he's done just fine after that. So, uh, although he's not playing defense by any means, but just just throwing it out there. And the thing you're going to see a lot with Kevin King, probably the biggest thing he needs to work on. I mean, he needs to work on a lot. He's a rookie coming into the NFL. It's going to be uh, an adjustment to guarding good, talented wide receivers. But he makes a lot of diving tackles. He 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 knows it's he's so tall and lanky. For a lot of times, it's you know he doesn't have the compact strength to be a hitter. So what he'll do, he'll dive at guys' legs and try to take them out. And they're aggressive dives. He's not timid. But I mean, it, he'll do he'll do that as opposed to trying to wrap up. And sometimes it, it seems like it's the right thing to do when you're, uh, you know, maybe have no other choice but to dive. But other times you're just like, just try to wrap up, make the tackle. Um, that's going to ha- be something he's going to have to work on a lot. You're probably going to see that <laughs> him at the next level as well. Um Josh Jones, I, I said in the interview with Paul Guillemet, you know, I, I didn't watch, uh, 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 pay much attention to him. In fact, uh, you know, during bowl season, I tried to do this little preview for every bowl game uh, there is. And I remember NC State's bowl game. I ignored Josh Jones because at the time, you know, the, the players still weren't at the point where they were declaring for the tr- draft yet. And he was an underclassman. And kind of an unexpected underclassman entry. Um, he didn't even get uh, any all-conference honors at NC State. He didn't make the all-conference team. Uh, and and kind of in retrospect, I wonder how did this guy not get on the all-conference team, especially this last season at NC State. Um, you know, uh, he played great and I, I really like this. I think he's in that he, he is this new linebacker safety hybrid era we're entering in the NFL and he's the next kind of guy who, who fits that mold. Uh, I've seen a lot of comparisons to Dayon Buchanan and, and you know, what's, what's amazing here is he runs 
4.4 in the 40-yard dash, but he's doing it at 220 pounds. That, again, too, is remarkable. I think a lot of, you'll see a lot of the fastest guys at the NFL Combine. They're probably more at 200 pounds, if not less. He's running 4.4 at 220. That That's amazing. Uh, and I think, you know, the Packers, not just in the secondary, but in general, a, a common thread I'm seeing this year among all their draft picks is – there's a lot of athleticism in this and a, a lot of fast guys and, and not just fast, but I think all around athletes, when, when you're looking at all the testing drills they do at the combine, whether it's the dash, whether it's the, uh, the, the shuttle drills, whether it's the, the jumps, the, the vertical, the horizontal, uh, these are some athletic, explosive, fast athletes all across the board. And uh, that's that's good to see from, you know, especially on the defensive side of the football. I think a lot of people saw last year, this this defense just isn't fast enough. And I think they got a lot faster across the board uh, in this NFL draft. And, and also what I like is, you know, they didn't they got a lot of good players and they didn't have to resort to drafting the headaches Prior to the NFL draft, we spent a lot of time speculating about how would Reuben Foster look in this Packers defense? How about Joe Mixon on offense? Well, I think the Packers inherited, uh, not inherited, but drafted a lot of good players without having to take those those big off-the-field concerns. I mean, you never know on any player. For, for all we know, you know, there could be something down the road that comes up uh, with one of these guys. You never know that that's impossible to predict. But I mean, there were no big time headaches with these guys coming in. Uh, and that goes for pretty much the entire draft class. So that's a good thing, I think. Uh, but continuing on here, Montrevious Adams, I alluded to it in the interview with Paul Guillemet. But folks, go to the website if you don't know of it mockdraftable.com and, and you can just type in a player's name you could search any player that and, and it's strictly players that have been invited to the NFL combine so so you're comparing apples to apples basically uh, because they take all their measurements that are all from the same environment that were used all you know all the same metrics and and the same people timing them and so everything's very consistent and they compare players, you know, simply measurables, height, weight, arm length, hand size, all those things. And then the time drills and measure drills on top of it. And it's just absolutely amazing. The two closest comparisons to Montrevious Adams in 20 years of the last 20 plus years of the NFL Combine, it only goes back to a certain point. But I mean, we're talking over 20 years. We're talking about hundreds of defensive linemen. The two closest comparisons, Justin Harrell and Kyrie Thornton. Do you think Ted Thompson has a type he's looking for in defensive linemen? And that kind of, it, it, you know, certainly can can send ch chills down your spine when you think about Justin Harrell and Kyrie Thornton and two of Ted Thompson's worst draft picks. But uh, I'll say this about Montrevious Adams. He doesn't have the injury history that Justin Harrell had coming out of college, and he's also a lot younger. He's 21 years old, 
where as opposed to Kyrie Thornton, when the Packers took Kyrie Thornton as a third-round draft pick, he was 24 years old. That was one of the biggest head-scratchers Ted Thompson ever made, in my opinion. Kyrie Thornton in the third round a few years ago. Uh, nobody would have batted an eye if he was a sixth-round draft pick, but he took him in the third round, which just seemed way too high. Montrevious Adams is young and ascending, and he's only 21 years old. And yeah, as Paul, Paul alluded to, he had a poor freshman season at Auburn, but just got better every year, and he's got that juice to him. He's a guy who can be quick off the snap. I, I think you know they are going to look to develop him. He may not be a huge contributor right away, but he may be a huge contributor down the road. Um, and, and I think a very could be a very good one. A lot of, a high ceiling with a lot of these guys, which is really good. Um, so I like that about him. Uh, Vince Beagle. Uh, everyone, I think, gets so caught up in comparing him to T.J. Watt. And, and yeah, I liked Watt a lot better. I mean, more than two rounds passed between these two picks. T.J. Watt, a first-rounder, and, and Vince Beagle, a fourth-rounder. But, you know, T.J. Watt, almost a second-rounder. <laughs> Vince Beagle, almost a third. You know, there's there's not a lot. But, I mean, we're, we're talking 60 picks in between them. Um, it, yeah, I, I like Watt better, but I think Vince Beagle still can be good. I worry about him in, in, you know, as a three down defender, but I do think he's got good upside as a pass rusher and that's what the Packers need. You know, so, some people are less convinced than others, like, like Paul. And that's, that's great. I, I respect his opinion. I hope I'm pleasantly surprised in Vince Beagle's ability to play the run, uh, at the NFL level. Um, but yeah, I, I mean, you know what you're getting with him. And that's that's the great thing about Vince Beagle. He's going to be a guy who competes his butt off for you. He has no off-field concerns. Um, and, and yeah, he's going to be very motivated to play for his in-state team, another Wisconsin native. And, and those are all great things for you to, to latch on to. And, 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 you know, a guy that, that makes it easy to root for. And from that standpoint, absolutely. Love it. So uh, if he can be a good pass rusher uh, as, as, you know, a guy who strictly comes in in, in pass rush situations, th that's great. It, I think anything on top of that is a bonus uh, with, with Vince Beagle, and I do think he can be a good pass rusher. So I think it was very appropriate where the Packers got him in the fourth round. And, and again, a lot of upside here with him um, as well. Uh Okay, running backs. I love, 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 love the pick of Jamal Williams. Uh, here he is, the, the leading rusher in BYU history, first of all. Maybe the best senior running back in this year's rookie class. There were a lot of underclassmen entries that, you know, are s certainly, you know, went before him, like, you know, Leonard Fournette and Christian McCaffrey and all that. Jamal Williams, arguably the top senior running back. Um, I think of all the uh, running backs the Packers drafted, Jamal Williams is the most complete back of the three uh, because he's he's just the most well-rounded. He's He can be your bell cow running back. He, he can be a power running back, maybe not quite as powerful as a guy like Eddie Lacy was for the Packers, but still very powerful. Um, he's got an upright running style, but that's okay. He's, he's a slasher. He's a one cut kind of guy, uh, has power, 
Uh, he can pass protect. He can catch the ball out of the backfield. He's maybe not great at those traits, but he's good at them. Um, and, and yeah, I just, I, I just really like him. And he's got, once he busts through, he does have some breakaway speed. Um, again, maybe not a four, four forty kind of guy, but a guy who can take the ball to the house if he breaks free, because I think he can shed tackles as well. He's a little bit cocky. And if, if you watch games from BYU, you can see him, you know, jaw jacking with the the opponents on the other teams and and nothing that seems so bad that like goes over the line uh but i I mean it it helps that he was good as well i mean when you're the leading rusher in school history you probably get a little more leeway than than a lot of other players would get um so yeah uh, i wouldn't be worried about the off-field stuff you're going to hear about jamal williams um, it, you know, the, the honor code at BYU is super strict and, you know, you don't have to be Mormon to attend BYU, but if you're not, it, you know, it's really tough to fit in that culture. You know, they, they can't have caffeine at, as at BYU, um, and, and premarital sex is, you know, out of the question. And that's, a, you know, what he got temporarily, you know, kicked off the kicked off the football program and out of school for, and I just think you know for the those those are things that uh, you know people are going to do in a lot of different cultures, uh, religious or otherwise, and so it, to to me the, the these are not big red flags for Jamal Williams. Um, like I said, he is a little bit cocky. But um, nothing, I think, that goes over the line so much that uh, is going to be a big concern. Um, Aaron Jones, this is more of your home run threat. Probably a little bit more straight line speed, uh, um, as well as shiftiness as well. Uh, He's the best at catching the ball out of the backfield. He's a little bit smaller, but capable of being a three-down back if need be. Um it's not like he's devoid of power. He's just, you know, his, his body isn't quite as big as the other guys, uh, but certainly willing to put the shoulder down and things like that. And I like that about him. Um, so, yeah, uh, I, I I like this pick as well. Uh, just get, just a, a little bit smaller running back, but still a guy that I think has uh, a lot of good upside to him. And the, then Devontae Mays, he's going to be the biggest project out of the three, but the Packers were willing to take a chance on him because of his athleticism, the speed, the, the leaping ability. He had like over a 40-inch vertical. Uh, amazing. Um, and he's a big back that can pound it. Uh, but he, too, you know, he's got the speed, too. So uh, he really, uh, you know, if he can put it all together, he can be a, g- a good one. I th- There's going to be some headaches along the way. And, and he's going to need work in the passing game for sure, both as a receiver and as a pass blocker. And, and that's where the Packers are not going to trust him right away, especially working with Aaron Rodgers. Uh, he's the type of guy that you could definitely see being on the practice squad and really needing to hone in his game. 
uh, because, you know, we're, you're going to see in the preseason, there's there's going to be some headaches along the way, but there's no doubt when just handing the ball off to him, if he's healthy, uh, it, it's going to be fun to watch. It's going to be all the smaller things that he's going to have to uh, get used to. Uh, the receivers the Packers got, D'Angelo Yancey and Malachi Dupree. Uh, the, the one thing that they've got in common, uh, as Paul alluded to, poor quarterback play at both schools. It's just, it's just remarkable that, that they have a quarterback in common. Uh, Danny Etling transferred from Purdue to LSU, and he wasn't very good at both schools, and and he wasn't the only one though. Uh, you know that both schools went through a string of quarterbacks, none of whom were all that great uh, at both places. And and I wonder, you know, had these guys had better quarterback play at both Purdue and LSU, how much better might they be thought of right now? Um, I, I, they could be drafted a lot higher had they had a better guy throwing them the football because I like the upside with both of these guys as well. And you could say that for a lot of draft picks, I'm sure, uh, across the NFL. But uh, again, the athleticism is there with these guys, and especially Malachi Dupree. This guy has a lot of athletic ability in that he was a state champion long jumper triple jumper and high jumper in high school Uh, so the leaping ability is there I think he's the kind of guy that can really go up and grab the football is coordinated when he's off the ground can climb the ladder and and, and really do those kind of things for you Uh, he was a five-star recruit coming out of high school because of that athleticism didn't quite live up to that at LSU and it, it certainly wasn't all the quarterback's fault I mean uh, there are some drops by Malachi Dupree as well. A uh, little bit smaller hands. Uh, he has nine-inch hands, which is just about the cutoff for for a wide receiver in Green Bay. Um, and, and so that that there there are some downsides there. Um, but hopefully he'll be motivated uh, to play and compete his butt off when he gets to Green Bay. Um, and, and the same thing with D'Angelo Yancey. Hopefully these guys come in and they, they provide some good depth and some good competition as well. So, uh, yeah, there you go. Uh, th- that's my thoughts on the Packers draft class this year. And uh, excited to see these guys in a green and gold uniform. We're going to talk more about undrafted free agents in the next episode of Railbird Central on Wednesday. I've already got our next guest lined up, Michael Renner of Pro Football Focus. Uh, so if you're like, oh, I want to know about these guys, don't worry. We're going to devote pretty much a whole episode coming up on Wednesday to, you know, the Packers sign roughly a dozen undrafted free agents or will be signing uh, all subject to um, uh a phys- them passing a physical when they get to Green Bay here. So don't worry. We're going to talk about this class uh, coming up in depth on Wednesday. The day ahead. All right. So we're ta- we spent a lot of time talking about all the rookies the Packers just added here. <laughs> what about the veterans uh, today or uh, tomorrow, perhaps? Uh, whatever Whatever day of the week they start on. Phase two of the off-season program begins this week. Um, so 
for 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 all the veterans on the team, remember phase one. That was the strength and conditioning. We're simply for two weeks. That's all they're doing. They're not doing any football drills or anything like that. The past two weeks, these guys have been in Green Bay. They've been hitting the weight room. They've been running, things like that. But that's pretty much what it was limited to. And now phase two of the off-season program begins. These are the individual position workouts. So they're not doing any team stuff, but they can get out on the football field with their position coach and be put through drills and things like that for the next three weeks now. Um, so that's where the veterans are at. So everybody, you know, the media and all the fans, we're going to be daydreaming about the rookies and how they fit into the team. But, yeah, d- don't forget, there's veterans out there putting in the work right now uh, to, to become better for this next season as well. And that's what they're doing now. And pretty soon, as soon as the rookies arrive in Green Bay, they're going to be integrated into this program as well. So uh, they'll they'll certainly bring those guys along slower than the veterans who've been around and know what to do. Uh, but they will be integrated into the program here fairly shortly as well uh, into these individual position workouts. So that's what's going on in Green Bay. And um, that does it for an episode of Railbird Central. Thanks, everybody, so much for joining us. We'll be back again Wednesday, like I said. Railbird Central airs every Monday, Wednesday, Friday at 8.30 a.m. Central Time. That's the live edition of the show, podcasted and on demand later in the day. Have a good one, folks. Enjoy your day dreaming about the new draft class for the Packers. Uh, I know I'll be doing the same. So uh, until Wednesday, we'll see you later. Uh, I've got a song called The Surf by Lotus on Psy Fidelity Records. See ya. Go Pack Go.